say good morning. Good morning. Y'all are kind of weak. Good morning.
churches this morning that they could be there all day long and they wouldn't have the experience we just went through. And that's sad. There are churches today that are struggling to keep their doors open. And that's sad. There are churches today that have decided, determined today will be the last day that they will serve as a church. And that's sad. I want us to take just a moment and pray for those churches. Pray for our sister churches. Pray for churches maybe that you have left and for some reason you left because you were disheartened and disappointed and maybe you even said things like, I don't like that church anymore. As gently as I can say, shame on you. But I want us to pray for those churches today. I want us to pray for our sister churches that God would bless them in such a fashion that they would become better than they've ever been. And that we would do the same here at Eastwood, at exciting Eastwood. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day, and Lord, we know we've come to rejoice, and we've done that, and we're going to do more because we serve a risen Savior, and he's in our world today. Father, there are some churches that are not conscious of that. They've lost their vision. They've lost their sight. They, they, they've lost their dream. Father, I pray for them today that this would be a day of revival for them. Father, that it would be a day of revival for us. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. If you're visiting with us today, we're so thrilled you're here. You should have been given a, uh, a red Connect card. If you were not given a Connect card, I believe in front of you in the pew, there's a little white card, and you can. Uh, we ask you to fill one of those out. Put it in the offering plate, because we want to know you're here. We want to have somebody that can contact you and tell you that... Uh, we are glad that you were with us and hope that you come back. Right now, we want you to stand and greet one another and say to them something encouraging.
get ready to sing. Let's get ready to sing together. serve him in, in his fullness and in his riches and glory. I tell you, it's, it's wonderful that we get a chance to stand and proclaim uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Some places in this world, folks, we can't do that. People literally take their lives in their own hands when they walk into a church building, but I'm thankful for America and the fact that we can come in here and proclaim Jesus and that we're protected, and I'm so thankful for that. Let us not ever take that for granted. You guys may be sad. <coughs> Maybe I should ask, how many of you pay your bills? 
<laughs> but seriously, you can use the Eastwood app to pay uh, uh, your tithe and your offering. If you don't do it, I encourage you to at least check it out because it's an easy way to do it. And it can be done on a regular basis. Gentlemen, if you'd come, we'll take our offering this morning. It's a great opportunity to be able to give back to the Lord. Amen. Great opportunity to be able to give back to the Lord. Amen. Do I have, well, I won't do it. Thank you, Father, for this day and for our opportunity to give. Thank you for the way you've blessed us beyond compare. Father, we can't outgive you. We want to give to you for your work, for your service. Challenge us, Father, to give. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh.
I just want to say uh, really quickly before I sing that um, um, that I really love and appreciate everyone here, and I've, I've appreciated the opportunity to be here for the last um, two and a half years, I, I think it is, um, and it's been an honor to serve, and um, they say that um, that all good things must come to an end, and, um, and I'm, I'm I'm at that point where I think it's 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 time for me to to move on, um, and it's unfortunate for me because I've come to love this place and love the people in it. And um, but I wanted you you all to know that um, the most important thing is that this has been a good thing for me, um, and that's um, that's the biggest biggest thing for me. And I wanted to thank the Lord, you know, publicly, and thank you guys publicly for the opportunity to be with you and to come into your fellowship, and I've felt at home here since I came here um, knowing really no one that, that was here uh, when I first started. So I wanted to thank each and every one of you for making this feel like home and making this such a difficult decision for me. Um, but, um, but I just also wanted to thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve here and other places that I've been able to serve, and I just hope that I'm never... Um, I never take for granted the the talent that I've been given, and that I'm always eager and and willing to serve uh, serve the Lord with that talent. So um, I'm going to sing a song uh, this morning that everybody should recognize. So um, if you want to sing along in the chorus, feel free.
God bless you, Kyler Post. God bless all of those wonderful people who use their God-given talents to bless us, to lift us up, to encourage us. God bless you, my dear friend. Thank you so very, very much. Let's pray together. Father, we pray especially now for Kyler and his life and his ministry. We thank you for all those who have been involved through the years in making him and leading him and molding him into the servant of God that he is. Lord, we just ask you now to bless him as he goes into another phase of ministry. We thank you that he's been with us. And now, dear Lord Jesus, just Carry him on now by your spirit to greater things for your glory is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome. For some of you who may be new, my name is uh, Brother Ken, and they've asked me to step in and uh, serve along with the staff and serve as one of your ministers. And I am thankful for that wonderful privilege. Last Lord's Day morning, I felt led of the Lord to 
direct our hearts at what I feel is really the, the essence of our worship to God. And that is that he might have the glory in the church, in this generation, my generation, and forever and ever. Amen. A pastor was, a new pastor, young pastor, was uh, being introduced to the church. He asked for the privilege on that first morning to speak to the children, thinking that, you know, if they know who I am and what my new ministry and role is, then certainly everybody else will be able to pick it up as well. And so the children were there and the young pastor went down and was describing to them the wonderful uh, person of Jesus as the good shepherd and uh, that uh, they were the sheep and uh, God uh, gave to the church leaders and helpers to help with the sheep. And uh, he said, now you know who the good shepherd is. Who do you think I am? Don't ever do that. (laughs) There was a quietness. And finally one little girl stuck up her hand and said, I know, I know. And the pastor asked, well, who am I? She said, Oh, you're the sheepdog. <laughs> well, <clears throat> there is quite a bit of misunderstanding about preachers today and ministry today. One of my great concerns is continuing to lay before God's people the fact that God is still saving souls in churches throughout this land and around the world. God is still in the soul-saving business. His hand is not empty. His arm is not short. God is about the business of bringing lost people to himself and gathering his church to worship him. God is at work. And I want to share with you this morning a few things out of my heart in ministry, a few things about how I want you to understand and appreciate the ministry, what God is doing, and how God, as Ephesians chapter 4 says, and God gives to the church evangelists and teachers and preachers, equippers, And so I feel very sincerely that the Lord has called me here, and you have affirmed that. And I want to just share with you out of my heart how I would like to minister to you. For many, many years, my wife and I worked on the foreign mission field in Indonesia. We were there 32 years. And one of my main responsibilities was to teach and help church leaders, especially young pastors, in different language, different culture, in different backgrounds. Help them not only win people to Christ, but establish and gather together the church of the living God. And so this is not a a new business for me. 
And I come at it not only as a pastor, but I come at it also as an equipper, a teacher. And I feel very honestly that there's become something of a disconnect between the congregation and their leadership, between the congregation and their preachers. Probably best understood in a little incident that happened to me several years ago. I was stopping to buy gas. This was still in the days when you, well, I was pumping my own. But the gas station operator was standing there and we were talking. And uh, another man was there and I was talking with him. He didn't know who I was. I didn't know who he was. But he, he said, uh, he asked me, he said, well, what kind of business are you in? And uh, before I could open my mouth, the service station operator says, oh, he ain't in no business. He's just a preacher. I, uh, I want you to know from the depths of my heart, since the Lord saved me and called me to preach when I was 18 years of age, and these 66 years that we have been serving the Lord, they have been good years. They have been glorious years. We have been through some of the darkest, darkest nights, not only on the mission field and in churches with difficulties, but God has also lifted us to the heights of glory. And I want you to know that I come to you this morning positive because I believe that God has a great work yet for this church to do. And we are in the business not of thinking so much about the past, but looking forward to the future. And I want to, to encourage the staff, I want to encourage these young men who are serving in the different fields. And I want the church and the deacons and, uh, to understand that there is a great sense of responsibility on the hearts of those who lead. Each one of these men could stand and tell you about their salvation and about their call. This is not a job. It is not a religious vocation. I love what Ian McPherson said many years ago. It is the burden that the Lord has placed on my heart. And that burden I share with you. I want you to know that this is real and that God is real and we're going to work together. How can I best serve you? How can, how can I minister to you and your family? What do you expect out of a preacher? Well, we don't expect much. Well, dear friends, I want you to know God expects an awful lot from the man of God. He expects an awful lot from the leadership of the church. Whatever their responsibility is, whether it's leading music or uh, leading, uh, playing the piano, playing an instrument, whether we are uh, taking the offering, whether we are, we are serving in Sunday school, whatever our ministry is, let us do that as unto the Lord. That's where we are. And I think that God's Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits when we're honest with Him. And I think that builds a church, that encourages a church, and that moves the church forward. How do we know 
what a preacher ought to do and ought to be. Well, as I've uh, been in the ministry for these years now, whether it's been as a full-time pastor here at Eastside, and uh, I was interim pastor for a year at First Baptist Marietta, had the privilege of helping to start Johnson's Ferry Baptist Church while we were on the mission field coming home. We were helping them. I've pastored churches not only here in America, but in Singapore and in Sri Lanka and Indonesia. And as I've done that, I have come to a great appreciation and love for the church and an awareness that God has placed a burden on my heart. And I want to, to share that burden with you. Well, where do you, where do you get the burden? Well, you don't get it simply from education. Although I am personally convinced that one of the great lacking and one of the great needs of our church is that our pastors be the very best instruments they can be. Someone asked me, well, why, why have you continued your study through the years? Well, <clears throat> I came from the mountains of southwest Virginia, and they cut timber up there. And uh, we learned very early how important a sharp axe was. You could break a leg or cut your hand off with a dull axe. But it's, it's important to have the sharpest axe possible. And I've asked God through the years, oh God, sharpen my axe. Make me the very best possible servant I can be. Now I'm going to be honest with you, I am not perfect. If you don't believe it, ask my wife. But I'm convinced that God has a, a place for me and for you. And in these days ahead, we're going to do it. And usually churches ask three questions about a pastor, whether he's a full-time pastor or an interim pastor. They ask basically three questions. Can you help us? Or do you know, do you know what to do and how to do God's work? Can you help us? I want to answer that not only from this message this morning, but by my life and ministry as I'm here with you these days. I want to be a part of the solution, solution to problems, not a part of problems. I'm not here to create problems. I'm here to work with you through the life and ministry of this church in this community. <clears throat> Secondly, <clears throat> Not only do churches want to know, can you help us? They want to know uh, whether or not you will be here for us. Well, I want to share with you the fact that we are here to minister to you. Many people today, when they go to the hospital, don't want anybody to come and visit. I understand the privacy. Many people do not call the church anymore but later on, they say, well, no one came to visit me from the church. We simply didn't know. You need to help the staff. You need to help the deacons and the leadership here in the church. Tell us when folks are in the hospital. Tell us how we can minister to them and minister to you. One of the hardest things to do as a pastor today is really to get in people's homes. People just simply don't want you in their house much anymore. They're afraid. 
Well, dear God, if we're afraid of a pastor or one of the leaders coming to visit you, something's wrong with your heart. You need to have the privilege and the joy of let's talk together. And I have said it many times, and I have made it a great emphasis in these years of my, my ministry, that there are many older men and women. As I sat this week for an hour with a woman at Kennestone who had not really settled her own personal salvation and commitment to Christ. She said, I taught Sunday school. I was a member of the church. I've done all the things I'm supposed to be, but here I am ready to die, and I'm just not at peace with the Lord. Dear friends, give us a chance. Call. Say, my brother, my father, my mother, my neighbor, we're here for you. We will be here for you. Give us a chance to reach out to them. There's a third thing that churches ask, and it's a very sincere and honest question. Not only will you be here for us, and do you know what to do and how to do it, which I assure you that my experiences equip me for that. But churches ask, can we trust you? In talking to some of our local church leaders, there seems to be something that is missing. There's a missing ingredient in many of our relationships today, and it's the issue of integrity, honesty. Can we trust you? Are you really the real thing? Are you the genuine article? Oh, dear God, I want you to know I am responsible to him, to my Lord. I'm responsible to him who has saved me and called me. And I believe that very sincerely, those whom God has called and equipped, that God will judge us very specifically as to whether or not we have been faithful and honest and whether we have built up the church or whether there are people who say, well, you know he did this or she did that. Oh, dear friends, may it not once be mentioned among us. Now, what I'm saying this morning is not any reflection on any of the former pastors. You've had some good pastors. When I was here a few years ago, for about a year, you finally called Brother Mike Hatton. And that name brings such a sweet memory to so many of you, Mike and his dear wife. And then Brother Justin, I have known as well. I have known all your pastors because I've been out busy somewhere else. But God has given you good pastors and they've been faithful to the Lord and they've had integrity. And dear friends, I want us to rebuild or to build that firmly into this fellowship. When people want to know the Lord, they can come here and find God at work in our midst. And that isn't simply something that's done from the pulpit. It is a congregation as they reach out to love and care for the souls of people. Dear friends, this is a life or death business. It isn't a job. It isn't something that you can leave and walk away from. It is a life, a ministry. How do we know how to pastor a church? Well, I want to tell you, dear friends, I have 
for years believed that our blessed Savior gathered his disciples around him, and as he did, he taught them not only principles of work, but he taught them how to have a heart for the work and to love the work. And that relationship that must be built and bonded together in the church. And we find that in John chapter 10. So that's where we're going this morning. John chapter 10. I have a running commentary that uh, I'm trying to write on John. And I'm amazed every verse, every phrase, everything the master said is so full of meaning, so helpful, so glorious. How in the world can you ever make or write an exposition of John's gospel, much less this glorious 10th chapter? But I want to say to you, dear friends, in it, our blessed Savior gives you, gives you a picture, his ideal what he's trying to accomplish in those 12 disciples and in the 70 and in the 120 and then the thousands at Pentecost and the thousands who are in the church today. What is he trying to do with you and me? And that is to build us up in the most holy faith. And Jesus, our blessed Savior, shows that he, he does this with the use of a picture so that... <clears throat> It isn't simply when someone brings a letter of recommendation or presents his credentials, and we have those credentials. A letter of ordination, the education we've had, the experience we've had, the recommendations and the resume, we have all of that. But how do you know one? How do you know a pastor when you see one? That's what the Indonesians said. How do you know one when you see one? Well, I'm convinced that God's Holy Spirit helps the church to see and understand in the life and personality of a person. That's the kind of man we want to serve in our church. And I have, I said on the first Sunday, I'm like John the Baptist. I realize that I know who I am and I know who I am not. I know that I'm God's servant and I'm here as your interim. I am not your final pastor, your permanent pastor. You are looking for that man. How will you recognize him when you see him, when the committee brings a recommendation? How will you know? Well, certainly the Holy Spirit will help you know. But Jesus gives us in John's Gospel, chapter 10, several beautiful pictures. And I think it... Uh, it really helps us to, to understand what you, what you may be looking for in a pastor and what you expect out of us. And I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to these who serve with me here, and I serve with them. I think one of the most important things in John's gospel is that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. That's verse 14. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, the interesting thing about John chapter 10 is that it begins rather critically. 
That is, Jesus begins in chapter 1 by, by talking about some, some, some people who are calling themselves shepherds who are really not shepherds. They're not shepherds at all. And Jesus sets in contrast what he is teaching, the picture that he has, the people that he's preparing, as opposed to those who are not true shepherds. Now, this is not simply a New Testament thing. If you will look in the Old Testament to the book of Ezekiel, and it's important that you, you uh, see in the book of, uh, in the, uh, book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, the Lord says to Ezekiel, chapter 34 and verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, Prophesy, speak against the shepherds of Israel. Now, what are the shepherds? The shepherd is a leader. Now, actually, in the Old Testament, that was not only the spiritual leaders, but it was also the political leaders. It was not only the national leaders, it was the local leaders. And so, this word shepherd is a larger term in the Old Testament. It's for leadership. But it always has a spiritual dimension to it. They are people who have the responsibility of leading the sheep. Verse 2, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus saith the Lord, God, woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves and are not feeding my flock. You eat the fat and clothe yourself with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. And those who are sickly, those who need care and ministry, you have not strengthened. Uh, the diseased, you have not medicated. <clears throat> and the broken, you have not bound up. And what more, they are scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought the lost. But with force and severity have you dominated them. And they were scattered for the lack of a shepherd. And they became as food, prey for the beasts of the fields. And they are scattered. And my flock is wandering all over the mountains and on every high hill. My flock is scattered over the surface of the earth. And there is no one to search for them. Look down at verse 10, Ezekiel 34, verse 10. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I am against the shepherds. I shall demand my sheep. I shall demand responsibility for them and make them cease from feeding the sheep so that the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore. And look what this glorious promise is. I shall deliver my flock from their mouths. In verse 11 for thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for the sheep and seek them out. And so it is against that background and the conflict that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were accusing Jesus. They were against his ministry. They have already, uh, Herod has slain John the Baptist. And Jesus knows what waits for him is a cross at Calvary. But Jesus will not give up. He says to his, to his hearers, this is who you are. 
There are many false shepherds. The Apostle Paul spoke often of false teachers in the book of Galatians and Ephesians. But God says, I want faithful shepherds. I myself will gather the flock. He will come himself, and that's what Jesus has done. That's what John 10 is about. God has come in Christ. He is the good shepherd. And what is he like? First of all, he, God, is like a shepherd. Now, that's a strange uh, phrase. I could spend a great deal of time talking about <clears throat> the conflict we have over the word shepherd on the mission field. I, I like the word. The analogy is uh, very well known among Christians, sheep and shepherds and flocks. <clears throat> we know all of this. Strange thing in many parts of the world, shepherds do not lead their sheep as they do in the Middle East. They walk behind them, and they carry a bag full of rocks. And if a sheep goes that way, the shepherd will throw a rock and hit the sheep and make him come back. If one goes off that way, he's very adept at taking his, uh, his rock and throwing it and bringing the sheep back. Shepherds do not have a very high reputation in Asia. Asian Christians do not particularly like the word shepherd. It's not a pretty word. It's, it's, a, it's a, a word of almost like the picture we have in Exodus 34, false shepherds. But when we tried to talk with them about God, God is like the good shepherd. Why? Because he loves the sheep. That's the first thing. He loves the sheep. You are his child. He has birthed you in mercy and love and grace. Therefore, he loves you. And that's what this shepherd is. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheepfold. What does that mean? I own these sheep. I stand at the door. That's what Jesus does. He is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd who loves the sheep. Jesus says, not only is the pastor, is the leader to love and care for the sheep honestly. Not love part of it and not love the other part. Not pick and choose who is lovely and who is unlovely. Or who will be a friend and who will not be a friend. Oh, dear friends, we must open our hearts and reach out to those about us. The good shepherd is one who loves the sheep. He's one who feeds the sheep. Listen to what Jesus says in John 10 and 9 and 10. Jesus says, I am the door. If any man enter through me, he shall be saved and shall go out in and out and find pasture, find satisfaction, find that which will cause him to continue to live and to grow and to become one who loves and grows abundantly. So the good shepherd is one who loves the sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus said, is one who feeds the sheep. I want to tell you, dear friends, I, I want to feed you. Not so much my theology or my ways or my interpretation, but I want to say to you, this is the greatest book in the world, but it is the least known book in the world. We have them in our homes. We carry them in our bags. But, oh, dear friends, do we know what the blessed Savior says in this holy book? 
It is a holy book. And God has a message to you. He wants to feed your soul that you may grow and mature and that you might live abundantly. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Oh, dear God, may his grace abundantly bless and abundantly grow this fellowship. That's what all of us are doing together. And this isn't one shepherd versus another shepherd. Dear friends, we are not competitors. Brother Lee and I are not competitors. I'm not a competitor with the ministry of music. But we are servants together working and serving the Lord because we want to feed the sheep. We also, a good shepherd protects the sheep. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the ultimate protection. Ultimate protection which not only saves, but which gives life. The true shepherd also leads the sheep. I, uh, <clears throat> I've had quite a bit of experience leading churches. One of the things that I have learned and I appreciate it so much, and many of you know that I was, <clears throat> my wife and I were the church planters for Eastside back in the 60s. And one of the things that uh, God did for me was he put in place at Eastside some wonderful men and women who served as deacons. And you may not like the word deaconesses, but whether they are ordained or not, we have women in the church who function in that role. That is, they are helpers together with the congregation. And I, I know my own life was greatly blessed. And every time I pass by the church at Eastside, there are faces that flash in my mind. And I could name them all, and you would know some of them. They blessed my life because they helped me to grow. We were together leading the church. It wasn't a pastor-led church. The pastor was not a CEO. He was part of the fellowship, working together with the deacons. Come deacons, let's work together to lead this church forward for the glory of God. Jesus, God in the book of Exodus says, my sheep are scattered on the mountains. They become prey for every doctrinal era possible. And anybody who doesn't like the church and wants to go off and start a group, they just split the church and split the church. I want to tell you, dear friends, to split the church of Jesus Christ for any reason other than biblical truth revealed by Christ is a heresy. You have no right to split the church and take a group off over here or a group off over there. They are part of the body of Christ. They are his sheep. They're not my sheep. You belong to him, and I know that. And that's why together we're going to lead by the grace of God under the leadership of his divine word and by the power of the Holy Spirit working in harmony and unity. This is what I plead with you. Let us be the church that becomes an outstanding example in this community for the glory of God. That's why I'm here. That's what I would like to do. And if you agree with me, I'd just like for you to say an amen. amen. Okay.
Now this morning, dear friends, we, we have a wonderful privilege. We, we, we don't close the service. This is really the, the apex of the service. This is the point where God's Holy Spirit speaks. Now he's already spoken to some folks. Brother Lee led a man to Christ in his office just a little earlier. We want to invite you to come right now. Come and stand with us here. Lee and I are going to stand here together. Perhaps there's uh, others who want to come and join this fellowship. I want you to come right now. Brother Lee, you come and stand. We're going to sing one great old hymn. What is it again, dear brother? Sweet hour of prayer. Would you stand? We'll sing one or two verses of this, and God will move in our midst. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this is uh, Tom. God bless you, Tom. Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? are open to you. This church loves you. If you'd like to come and join these, come on profession of faith. Come and move your ladder into the church fellowship. Will you do that? Come on. Come on, brother.
more verse, please. Sweet hour of prayer. for just a moment please thank you brother Lee if you would like to introduce these uh, wonderful people please thank you Tom Smith Tom has uh, been around here for, for quite a while. He's worked uh, in the nursery. He's worked outside, I think, doing like some security stuff and uh, started working up in the youth department. And if you've ever worked in the youth department, it caused you to stop and think, now, wait a minute. And that was a good thing because when he asked that question, he realized that there was something missing in his life. And he comes this morning uh, accepting Christ as his Savior and making it public to you. Desiring membership in the church and as a candidate for baptism, and we'll speak with him later on about some details and give you opportunity to respond on that. And then we have the um, Cleveland family, part of the Cleveland family. We have uh, Leah, who is the mama. We have uh, Cheyenne, which I believe is probably the daughter. And uh, Christian, which is the son. And they are coming on uh, promise of a letter from uh, Miracle Baptist Church in uh, where? Yeah. I'll spell it for you. It's H-P-H-Z-I something. And we'll talk with them later on about, uh, about this move that they're making. And I think it would be a pro- well, James Mercer. James is uh, Edie and Steve Merritt's uh, grandson, and he is coming this morning on a promise of a letter from Shady Grove Baptist Church, and we'll speak with him later on again about the same, our process, and we'll give you opportunity to uh, uh, acknowledge your acceptance of them. I think it would be very appropriate, though, this morning for you to give them a round of applause and say amen. 
rejoice in them. What an opportunity for me to be a part of this today as I led uh, Tom to the Lord over in the office and the others are members of our Sunday school class. And so uh, God's at work. God's at work in our church. Uh, Pastor, thank you for a great message this morning. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, after a while, after the announcements, when you go back to the uh, front door, those of you that made decisions, if you'd go with him, because we want folks to be able to greet you and, and uh, hug your neck and uh, let you know how much they appreciate. I have a couple of quick announcements. I have a letter of thanks that says, Dear Eastwood family, thank you so very much for all the lovely cards, thoughts, and prayers offered on our behalf uh, following the passing of my dad, Al Harrelson. Uh, it is never easy dealing with all of the emotions and issues that seem to arise following one's death. However, it's been uh, made easier knowing that we have our church family praying and lifting us up during uh, up to the throne room. Uh, thanks again, love, Rick Harrelson. And so, Rick, we uh, acknowledge this letter from you. Uh, in the uh, bulletin, uh, Heather, if you'd come and share what you need to share. I just want to say we're going to have a quick, I know y'all want to go to lunch, I know y'all want to get out of here, so like 10 minutes tops just back in the fellowship hall. Um, if we want to do a women's retreat in the fall, I have to know how many, because if we don't have a minimum number, that we can't make a reservation. So today's kind of just getting a head count, answering any questions you might have. Um, so if any ladies are interested in a fall ladies retreat in uh, probably October, um, if you could just meet in the fellowship hall, five, 10 minutes, I promise I'll get you out. I really just need a head count. So if you could just meet me back there immediately after we say amen. Thank you. I was supposed to introduce a couple, but I think only part of the couple is here. Uh, next uh, Sunday, there's going to be an agape feast put on by the children's uh, ministry. Uh, following our uh, services, it is to be a potluck dinner, and entertainment is going to be provided by Jack Collins and Beverly uh, Lively. Is Jack and Beverly both here, or is it just Jack? All right. There you go. That's the entertainment that you're going to have next week. And you want to go. I have no idea what they do. They, they might be jugglers. I don't know. That's, uh, and that's okay. Uh, we need to learn how to juggle, I guess. Uh, could you do taxes while you're there, too? That, that's probably the biggest juggling part that I, I need some help with. Uh, other announcements that are on here, you uh, feel free to uh, uh, look through those. And now, who do I turn this over to now? You? Okay. Um, good afternoon, church, uh, deacons, staff, and friends. I wish to thank you all for the loving kindness you have shown to myself, Allison, and my mother, Blanche, over the past six months. We've brought together amidst many challenges and, cha and changes and challenges. But even through these challenges, God has remained in guiding my ministry at Eastwood. It is after much prayer and pursuing God's will that I'm tendering my resignation as worship pastor here at Eastwood, effective today, January. Well, this was on Monday. I sent this to the deacons, the 27th of February. I'm respectfully offering to work until Saturday, February the 15th. This will allow me to serve two more Sunday mornings today and next week. The additional weekdays following 2-9 will allow ample time to help organize and transfer the worship technology and vacate the current office space for the next person God sends to serve here at Eastwood. 
I want to thank you for your love and your kindness that you've shown to my family as well. Um, I'm actually accepting a call to Concord Baptist over in Cumming, Georgia. Uh, I really feel like God has opened a great door. Uh, Brother Ken and Lee and I talked this week um, on different occasions. And I remember one thing that uh, Brother Ellison shared with me during um, a meeting together. He said, when God opens a door, he said, I walk through it. And uh, this, is a God, this is a door that I have no doubt that God has opened. Um, I know I've only been here six months, uh, but I believe that God sent me here. God opened the door back in the fall for me to come and serve you alongside of you guys, uh, my music family, and um, I'm really close to them. They're like my immediate family because I get to spend a lot of time with them. But I thank you so much for your kindness and the gracious to me and my family. You guys have been fine. I'm not upset with any of you. I love you all. Quite the contrary. I love you all, and I wish and pray God's blessings upon all of you. Mm-hmm. Continued so. Uh, I'll be here next week, so let's celebrate and sing. And I want you to continue to sing and support and worship together both new and old songs and uh, for his glory. People are still getting saved, as we just witnessed this morning, and God's still leading people. And I pray that you guys continue to walk in faithfulness before the Lord. Amen. Bittersweet morning. Amen. You know, God is still the God. He's still on his throne. God is still in charge of our present and in charge of our future, or he wants to be in charge. He wants us to give it to him totally. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, J.W. if he would come and uh, lead us in a word of prayer. Pastor, if you would take our uh, folks that have made decisions this morning and, and head toward the uh, door back there. J.W., if you'd come, please. And uh, if you have anything you need to say, fine, but lead us in prayer as we close. Stand with me. Uh, let's, let's just give the Tyler and Brother Eric a good hand and for their, for their work. What they did for us is better. Brother Tyler said that he didn't know nobody, but I believe he knew me. Oh, yeah. From right. my, he used to be at Macklin Baptist, and that's where my sister and her family goes. And I, I saw him down there at their home when they'd have a social get-together or whatever, but... It's been an honor to have him with us and to play for us and to Brother Eric. And I know you usually play, but how about y'all going back to the back and let them shake hands with y'all and say, as you go out. Uh, with that being said, uh, we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, just thank you for this morning, for another day you've given us and for another opportunity we've had to come here to thy house, Lord, and hear the word, sing the songs of praise to thee, Lord, and hear the word of God brought. And God, I just thank you for the one that would give their heart to Christ this morning. Pray your blessings among him as we minister him and his family throughout the days and for the ones that come to join our church this morning. Lord, we just thank you for all you do for us and all your love and mercy that you bestow upon us. Dismiss us with your love and care. And God, meet back with us again tonight and we'll continue to give you all the praise, all the glory and honor for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you.